0: Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of the
1: College Draft. Yeah, it is daddy soda time here on the College Draft podcast as the off-season for the NFL is officially in full swing, in full bloom, whatever you want to call it. We're presented by betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts, just use the promo code PODCAST1, you get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five NFL teams in seven years. Redskins, Cowboys, Bills, Patriots, Browns, and then actually back to the Redskins. There's almost six teams in seven years which is kind of crazy when you think about it. At Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter or Instagram, Facebook is facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. You also can always get at me as the kids say over at Ross Tucker.com. I now have five podcasts that we produce Ross Tucker football podcast, which is three times a week this time of year, even money podcast once a week, fantasy feast podcast once a week, this podcast, which is once a week, and Andrew Brandt's business of sports podcast. You can also, however, check out the college football bros. That show's awesome. Fantasy football ball blast, as well as hazard ground, which is totally different, totally unique, talking with ex-combat veterans, which is amazing, absolutely amazing. Speaking of amazing, we don't have Matt Waldman this week. Matt gets the week off, so we have a blast from the past. Our guy, you love him, you should. Most of you that are listening to this podcast used to listen when he was the co-host of the show, the one and only Fran Duffy from the Philadelphia Eagles at F Duffy three is his Twitter handle, and we will momentarily get into with Fran what the latest is, what he's got going. We'll talk about Senior Bowl takeaways, underclassmen decisions, little combine preview. A lot to get to with Fran. After I make sure you guys don't blow it with your significant others this year it's my com. it's 50 bucks you talk to a writer for 10 minutes about your wife or whoever tell them how great she is they write the most unbelievable story it looks like it's framed on the cover of the newspaper and you hand it to her and you say babe I got your story I wanted something special she loves it she cries when she reads your quotes you win MyFrontPagestory.com. All right, so Fran, before we move into the Senior bowl stuff or the Combine preview, you do have to give our loyal listeners an update on everything what you got going with the eagles (laughs) as well as what you got going with your family you literally added a first round draft pick since the last time you were on the show
0: (laughs) yeah it was uh shortly after the draft he was kind enough to wait about uh three four weeks after last year's draft to to join us but uh, our first son was born uh late in may last year and um so i 'm eight eight and a half months in eight months in and it's uh it 's been awesome man i mean it 's everything that everyone has told me and more so that that 's been a blast um he's uh It was great having somebody watching games with me on saturdays uh on the couch and uh and he was into it he was a champ about it so uh it was great and it 's been it 's been amazing so um. Thank you for bringing that up. And then, uh, as far you know, with the Eagles, look, we've uh, I've got two podcasts a week. We're doing the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast uh, every single week. We're talking X's and O's, and it's not just Eagles. It's uh, especially in the off season. It, you know, obviously in season, it's a little, it's more Eagles focused. But um, you know, in the off season, we're talking. Uh, player evaluation we 're talking schematic we 're talking everything that you can imagine from an x and o team building standpoint over on the eagle Eye in the sky podcast and then uh, the journey to the draft podcast is also year round uh, that I do through the eagles so uh, in the fall we 've got great guests every single week we 've got eagles scouts that have joined the show we 've got um, you know, obviously Ben Fennel, a friend of the show that you know well as well. Uh, ben comes on, and we just, you know, we, we he he goes to games every single week, so uh, we're talking prospects year-round. So uh, it's obviously a fun time of year. Everybody, all the loyal listeners know how uh, how much fun I've got, how much juice I've got for this part of the process. Excited to to dig deeper. You know, the combine is now just a week a week or two away. Uh, excited to dive deep into a lot of these guys and uh, really get to see a lot of them in person for the first
1: time. So I got a lot of questions. Uh, The first one, though, is obvious. Did you and your wife plan for the baby to come a month after the draft? Was that (laughs) part of your thought process? Is that how thorough you are in your draft preparation?
0: I want to say that it was not by accident. Um, because we definitely, that definitely does come into uh, discussion when we're talking about that stuff, but, uh, no, we, um, it wasn't necessarily planned that way. Uh, it just worked out very, very well. And, but I will say draft weekend, uh, you know, you're, you're a month away you're, It's like, oh like, I don't know. Like he could come So It was, um, it, it was a little bit, a little bit of sweat, uh, a little bit of sweat going down my brow, uh, draft weekend, but now he, uh, he did us a, fa- he did me a solid and waited a few more weeks.
1: That's amazing when you say he watched football with you. I am so jealous. That is amazing. That is awesome. All right. Oh, so dude, the I, best. So let's get into the two biggest events on the pre-draft calendar. That's the Senior Bowl and the Combine. We're, I think, exactly in between both of those. So it's yes, a perfect correct. time to have you on as a guest here. Uh, And appreciate you coming on. Let's start with the Senior Bowl and just what your biggest takeaways were from this year's event.
0: Well, I I think first, look, the big draws were the two quarterbacks, obviously. And as as typically the case, Uh, Justin Herbert and Jordan Love. Herbert with the South squad in Cincinnati, Love with the North squad in Detroit. I thought throughout the course of the week of practice, both guys Really showed out well. I mean, Justin Herbert, uh, you know, just in person, uh, just really looks the part. And same same with Jordan. I thought both guys really threw it well. Everything looked easy. Everything looked natural. Uh, They were composed. Both guys... Uh, handled their respective teams very well as well. And that was a question really with both guys coming into the week was you know what was their command, what was their presence, what was their poise going to look like uh, in person for scouts with guys look they're the best players around the country. That's not their teammates that they were in the locker room with throughout the course of their four year careers in college. So uh, just getting a chance to see those guys up close was great, and I thought both guys really passed the eye test. Right? You know from the from the start up through the finish. Obviously Herbert wins wins the MVP of the game. Jordan Love uh, struggled with protection. You know, the, 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 that north offensive line had no answers for the south defensive line in the game. But uh, both guys, I thought from start to finish, uh, really looked the part. So that was certainly one of the big takeaways. After that, I would say the defensive line, uh, really for both squads, I thought was really, really strong uh, throughout the course of the week. I mean, uh, Javon Kinlaw, we didn't get a chance to see him in the game, but the two days that he was out there on the field uh, at practice at Lad People Stadium, he was, you know, damn near unblockable. He was really, really good uh, in terms of the one on ones. He's stout. He really looks the part, man. I mean, he's got pythons for arms. Uh, he's just really stout. He's powerful. He's explosive. He's got that initial quickness. He just, he really looks the part. And I thought that. He passed uh, the eye test for sure sure, uh, down there in practice in Mobile. Uh, Kinlaw had a good week, but he wasn't the only defensive lineman, though. I mean, you go up and down the list. Uh, Marlon Davidson from Auburn, he was only on the field for one day of practice, but was outstanding. He, he put on some weight, came in at just under 300 pounds. He was a heavy defensive end for the Tigers, but he's putting on weight to become a three technique. and uh, He was outstanding in practice. I would say that uh, uh, Jason Strobridge, the defensive lineman from North Carolina, he's making the opposite switch. He played D-tackle. For the Tar Heels, he wants to be an edge guy, and he looked outstanding. He he was uh, one of the more active players throughout the course of the week of practice. But all these guys, I mean, you go down the list, and it's like you know, Terrell Lewis from Alabama had a uh, had a really strong week. Zach Bond really showed up. Bradley and I from Utah showed up, not just in practice but in the game as well. Uh, a lot of these guys just had really good weeks of practice. Jo- Josh Uche from Michigan uh, showed up. Kenny Wilkis showed up. So uh, you know, the defensive line was the other big takeaway for me in terms of who really stood out during. During the week of practice.
1: So I want to go back to the quarterbacks um, quickly because there are and were concerns about both. So I don't pretend to be a quarterback guru, Fran, but I watched two full Utah State offensive tapes this year because they played Wake Forest yep. before I did the Wake Forest-Rice game, and they played Air Force – Before I did the Army Air Force game, I think they scored like seven points or maybe ten against (laughs) Air Force. Against Wake Forest, he had to have thrown at least three picks and looked like he could have thrown a couple more. Now, he made some ridiculous throws, and the ball just flies off his hand, so I get that. But watching that tape, I, I don't know how you could take him high. Unless you're just that enamored by the physical tools. I mean, he should have had five or six picks against Wake Forest. And, you know, they're not like the greatest defense in the world. And he scored 10 points against Air Force, Fran.
0: So, if I remember right, the Wake Forest game was week one, right? That was the that was, was yes. the first game of the year. Um, and they, they were on the road. Now, the big thing with Jordan Love to remember is that coming into this season, okay, he lost – uh, the entire coaching staff—they all—they all went to Texas Tech. So Matt Wells and that whole staff—they all went uh, to the Red Raiders. So new coaching staff comes in. Uh, he lost his top two running backs. He lost like three or four of his top receivers. He lost his tight end. Uh, he lost four-fifths of his offensive line. So a ton of turnover, both coaching and personnel-wise, st- personnel for Jordan Love coming into the year. Um, now. Decision-making has to get a little bit better. Ball control has to get a little bit better. But I think when you look at Love, if you go back to last year when, you know, he was a little bit more comfortable with what he had around him. He had a – look, that wasn't – they weren't blue-chip talent, but he had a couple guys that were drafted. They had a tight end that was a prospect. He had a receiver uh, in Tarver that was a prospect. The back was drafted. So you go back to last year uh, playing in that offense, I mean, he was dynamite, man. Like if you watch that Michigan State game for 2018, and that was early 2018 uh, against the best opponent on the schedule – Jordan Love was lights out and you're talking not just arm strength this isn't just like oh you know uh Christian Hackenberg or you know even like Josh Allen like watch him you know watch him move watch him throw the ball you're talking ball placement uh, at all three levels outstanding touch uh decision making was was really really good that year i think when you just look at overall arm talent which is velocity uh and accuracy and touch it was aces it was everything that you would want so i think when you look at Jordan Love um everything is there for him to be that guy. And if you had flopped those two years and said, okay, the, this, this past season where, you know, the touchdown-interception ratio wasn't great and, you know, the decision-making wasn't what you would have liked, you, you take that 2019 season, put that to 18 and bump 18 to 19 – Jordan Love's in the conversation, top five, top ten. I don't think there's any there's any uh, ifs ands or buts about it. Uh, obviously, that is not the case, and so uh, there's going to be a little bit of nuance here with how he's evaluated. A lot of it's going to come down to how he interviews, and you know, do teams feel that you know he loves football and that it's important to him? And, you know, was this just one of those years where you know everything was kind of working against him? If you're looking at Jordan Love, it, it's going to be a little bit of a, there's going to be a lot of layers to that evaluation. But I'm telling you, man, from a talent standpoint, I mean, he's. We talked about it with Patrick Mahomes, like Patrick Mahomes, when he was coming out, you know, the the production was very good. The arm talent was ridiculous. I mean, I, I remember you know coming on this show and saying, you know, this guy could, uh, you know, with his accuracy and his arm and his athleticism, the upside was so high. But everybody questioned with Patrick Mahomes, oh you know like can he play within the scheme and you know what is his pocket presence like it was It was like a you know a wild stallion out in the ranch that you had to kind of corral with love. It's not quite to that extent uh in terms of just how wild and out of structure that he is. It's more just you know the the decision making just wasn't where it needed to be, but he was fighting an uphill battle from the jump this year
1: uh Herbert, I also saw a bunch of games and decision making that was concerning the arizona state game even at times in the rose bowl against wisconsin what sort of your breakdown on herbert and why was he so well received at the senior bowl you
0: know i think when you look at herbert everything's going to look great in person and it certainly did in mobile you know i think when you look at all the tools you're checking all the boxes both from an athleticism standpoint an arm talent standpoint uh the the personality is what uh will get some people hung up you know Does he have that alpha dog mentality? Does he have that kind of juice, that kind of presence? And that's a question that really – us on the outside, we can't really give honest answers to that because we don't have all of that information unless we've got we've, we're have talking to the same sources uh, that scouts are talking to and unless we get to spend as much time that teams are going to spend with them but I think when you're looking at Herbert uh, you know, I think a lot of the knocks you know, I think that uh, one play that uh, you know, Dale Jeremiah from NFL Network will bring up often uh, was the final play of the Auburn game, the opener uh, last year where, you know, they, they're they in position to try and uh, I believe it was to take the lead back. Uh, remember Bo Nix had. Led them down the field and, you know, they, he throws the touchdown. Auburn takes the late lead. Oregon gets the ball back. Justin Herbert, they've got the ball past midfield. I mean, it wasn't like a, a crazy Hail Mary. It was a 40, 45 yard throw. And instead of putting his receiver in position to be able to catch it, he threw it like seven, eight yards out of the end zone. It's like, you know, the the football, uh, you know, the football IQ, you know, just the overall awareness, like, you know, where is it there with Justin Herbert? And I think that like Jordan Love, I think there are some parts of her with Herbert where, you know, some nuance is needed. Right. I mean, he the, you would look at, uh, you know, how many drops that, that Oregon receiving corps had, not just last year, but go back let, the year before that, the year before that, that receiving corps for the most part, has really struggled uh, throughout the course of his career there uh, in Oregon. I would say conceptually from a pass game standpoint, uh, you know there were some things that were a little bit left to be desired. It wasn't like a, a really wide open passing attack where uh, you know he was going to be putting up huge, huge numbers. Obviously, Mario Cristobal, they want to be able to run the football and kind of establish things on the ground, and they were able to do that. I thought that he really looked comfortable in the second half last year where he kind of cut things loose a little bit, and he carried the ball and was a little bit more of an athlete and uh, making plays with his legs. But um, yeah, I think Herbert, look, he's going to look the part, and I, when we get to the combine in a couple weeks, he's going to look great out there. If he works out, he's going to look outstanding. I, I have no uh, question about that. Um, I think really it's going to come down to system with him. I think that he's going to work really well in a system where uh, you know they can kind of get him out in the move, keep things pretty well defined. He's got all the tools in the world to succeed. There's no question about it with Justin Herbert. I think um, it's going to be more of a beauty in the eye of the beholder. And some coaches are going to really, really like him. uh, And some coaches may have some questions about what his overall ceiling is as an NFL quarterback.
1: One of the things I noticed on your Twitter feed uh, recently, Fran, is that for the first time, I believe, the Senior Bowl, you can actually go back and check out all of the one-on-ones, which is – I don't know if it's every position or just O line versus D line cataloged, which are always a featured part of the Senior Bowl practices. I guess I want to know, in your experience over the years, how much stock do you put in the one on one drills?
0: You know, I think that that's certainly when you're talking about going down to practice there, and if you're just talking about trying to compare apples to apples, Um, And we could talk about the dynamics of wide receiver, VB one-on-one and O-line, D-line one-on-one, who's got the advantage in those drills. But if you're trying to say, okay, how are these guys look when they're compared best of the best, it's the best seniors uh, going up against each other. It's just a great opportunity not to, and not to mention, you know, I think there's something to be said for who are the guys that step up when the spotlight is on them. Right. And that's why it's not even just the, those regular one-on-ones, but uh, depending on who the coaching staff is from year to year, sometimes you'll get the ones at the end of practice where it's not just uh you know the, the the position groups that are watching, but the entire team gets together, and it's one guy versus one guy, one guy offense versus defense, and it's like gassers or up downs up or on the line, extra conditioning is on the line for whoever whichever side loses but uh, you almost like to see all right when the when the Annie gets up, who's the guy that steps up and makes the big play, and I think when you're looking at those one on ones it is always good to see who or who are the guys that kind of step up. Um, you know in those situations and uh, it 's awesome by the senior Bowl to make that available uh, this is the first time they 've ever done that after the fact over the last couple of years they 've opened up the film room to the media down there in mobile uh, during the day and at night so media can go in and kind of watch the film from the day 's practice um, you know so they 've done that over the last couple of years uh, which has been great but this is the first time they 've made it available uh, to all media on the outside after the fact which is really cool you know i 'm luckily i 've got the opportunity to go back and watch that film regardless um, but when you 've got the ability to now now all media can go back and watch that. I think that that's a cool part. I'm interested to see. Uh, hopefully a lot of people are able to leverage that uh, in their evaluations moving forward.
1: Joe Burrow. Yeah. You've been doing this how many years now as, as an evaluator draft guy, 10? Uh,
0: yeah. I'd say it's, it's a, maybe a little bit more than that, but it's been, a, it's been a while. This is my, this will be my 11th season full time in football. And I started um, covering the draft a, a few years before that. So we're going to about to 15 years now.
1: Okay. Have you ever seen a guy or do you have an example of a guy that went from, I would say average to unbelievable in one year like Joe Burrow? And what what do you make of that?
0: I I know you'd love for me to like have an example on the top of my head. I don't. It's It's, it's remarkable. And I think when you look at Burrow – Look, there, there's a lot to it because, look, he, he showed up. Remember, he, go, he got to LSU. Uh, Obviously, it was a little bit of a different offense, but he gets there not even for spring ball. I mean, it was in the summer when he got there. So he was still kind of just kind of getting his feet wet, trying to get it, it, the lay of the land there people talk about the turning point was that bowl game for him and um you know and that was when things kind of turned the page obviously look you add in uh Joe Brady and what they were able to do schematically that certainly helped uh you know you talk about the development uh, and the evolution uh of the guys around him and that certainly helped but uh, look, you got to give a lot of credit to Joe Burrow for everything that he was able to do because uh you know, there are things that he put on film. It wasn't just like, all right, I'm going to catch and shoot. I'm catch and shoot, catch and shoot, catch and shoot. He's running around making plays, he's got defenders barreling down and he's making throws uh you know, staring down the gun barrel and uh you know, the toughness, the poise, the the accuracy, the I mean everything was there, but he it's not a guy when I like if all these guys work out, we haven't really heard yet who's going to work out, who's not going to work out at the combine. But you know, when you line all of them up and you didn't know who was who, you're not going to say, "Oh yeah, this guy was the he's the the number one pick." You know, I mean, when you look at him compared to uh, you know the the Jordan Loves and the Justin Herberts and even the Jacob Easons, But you know, when you look at the body of work uh, that he was able to put on film over 15 games undefeated, 15 and 0, with the numbers that he put up and the accuracy and the poise and the toughness and you know the the pocket movement. I mean, his pocket movement was outstanding this year, uh, with being able to keep his eyes downfield and buy time for those receivers to get open. Uh, I think certainly, uh, look, he checks a lot of the boxes that teams are going to be looking for, and uh, there's a reason why he's likely the number one pick in the draft, especially as we sit here today.
1: Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Uh, the next big event on the calendar will be the NFL Combine, and they're tweaking it, right, Fran? The the events are now at night. It's now prime time.
0: Yeah, so it looks like it'll, the the schedule will be kind of flopped a little bit, which will be uh, certainly will make things interesting. Um, you know, from a uh, just being out there because every the whole schedule is is going to be completely different. Uh, you know, usually it was weigh-ins first thing in the morning, and you go right over to the field, and you know the first forty was at you uh, was at nine a.m. I believe, and now it's now I think it starts at four p.m. So. A little bit different. It'll it'll, it'll be fun. It's going to be the the days are going to be just as long. They're just going to be long in a different order. But no, you know know how I feel about the combine. Obviously, it's a big part of the process. Uh, You know, for some reason, I think some fans think it's a big part of the process for uh, you know different reasons than for what they actually are. But um, no, it's it's a it's a huge part uh, of this process leading up to April. Um, Excited to really for me, me personally, and I think for a lot of evaluate you know a lot of evaluators in the media it's all about getting eyes on a lot of these guys for the first time. We get to see them at the, the all-star games. Some of us go to games and they're able to see them during the fall, but you know, you can't see everybody. So being able to see a bunch of these guys up close in person uh, you know, I get to see them at media. We get to see them out in the field. Uh, it's it's going to be big for sure.
1: Well, let's get into that. And I know people that have heard you on the show before will have an idea of, you know, what you think is important and what isn't from the combine, but, I think that now is as good a time as any for you to lay out there your feelings on that, especially Fran, in light of seeing how much speed both the Niners and the Chiefs had, and you know the old expression "speed kills." Both those teams have clearly put a premium on speed, and I, I think it shows.
0: Yeah, and I think when you look, you know, look, this is a big play league, right? The NFL is a big play league, and if you're going to get uh, big plays, you you do want speed, and you want speed on both sides of the ball because you need to be able to stop the big play as well. Um, so certainly that that does play into it. I do think though that there there is a difference between time speed, raw time speed, and play speed, and that there are plenty of guys that uh, you know you, that play fast on film that don't run fast, or guys that don't play fast on film and then run fast. So the the to me like I think for a lot of teams they want to go into this event. If you're just talking just about the on-field work uh, from a timing standpoint, the athletic drills, you want to find out okay, do the do the fast do the guys that play fast run fast? Okay, check. Good. Do the guys that don't play fast, do they not run fast? Okay, check. Good. Now it's the ones that are different. Are, there, are is there somebody that surprises both positively or negatively? Um, you know, with what they do out on the, on the turf at Lucas Oil Stadium. If if things are a little bit different, then that's what makes you go back and say, okay, uh, where were we wrong in our evaluation? Or is this? The, you know, do we need to watch more and get a sense of we were wrong? Or is it just because this guy might just be a, a better athlete than he is a football player? And uh, a lot of teams will say we'd rather we'd let somebody else take the guy who's a better athlete than a football player. Um, but ultimately. Look, the, to me, this this uh, experience, this week-long, eight, eight-day event uh, out in Indianapolis. There's, uh, if you're gonna just make like a pie chart, I think ultimately it comes down to like. 40% about this. This the, the interviews. They used to be at night, and now they're going to be uh, during the day. Teams get to meet both in a formal setting and in an informal setting with these players, so you're going to see them get some uh, some time in a suite where they get to kind of poke and prod, you know, what is the, what's your football IQ like? Uh, maybe get them up on the board, watch some film, do some background work, all that stuff. You get the, those guys. You spend a little bit of time with all those guys in a, in a formal setting, and then also uh, assistant coaches and scouts, they're grabbing them in an informal setting as well throughout the course of the week. So you're going to get all those interviews. That all gets a, and it's a part of the evaluation. Then the medical is going to be so big. Now, I mean, we know a lot of these names uh, you know, coming into the week where the medical is going to be big. Obviously none bigger than guys like Tuatango Vailo, the quarterback from Alabama. The medical is going to be big for him this week, but it's also going to be big for other players that we aren't aware of yet. You know, like We didn't know. Uh, You know, I go back to like uh, Leighton Vander Esch, uh, the line, but when he was coming out of Boise State, uh, there was the report coming out after he was there that, uh, you know, he might have a a lingering back issue that might cause him to fall because there was a lot of buzz after he worked out. Oh, you know, this guy could go uh, top 15, top 10. He ends up falling, I think, into the mid 20s, early 20s. He felt he didn't fall too, too far. But that was an issue that propped up at the combine that people on the outside we didn't we didn't know existed and so I think ultimately uh, those uh, medical things are certainly a huge huge part of the process teams are trying to unearth if there's anything there uh, that could be an issue for this player moving forward because remember it's all this whole process it's not about what you did in college it's about What you can do moving forward into the NFL, what can you do over the next four or five years and beyond? So, um, you know, the the medical is a huge, huge part uh, of this whole ordeal as well. Then you get into the athletic testing, you get into the on-field work with the drill work. You want to see, you know, how do the receivers catch the ball in the gauntlet drill? How do the defensive linemen move through the bags and how do their feet look? And you know, do they have twitch and things like that? You're looking for all of that stuff. But um, to me, the the interviews and the medical are the two biggest, biggest parts of this whole process in Indianapolis,
1: which stinks, right? Because those are the two parts that we don't have access to and don't get any information about.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Right. So it makes it tough for us on the outside, but um, then that's why, you know, like we, we, we hype up the 40 because that's what, you know, I remember, you know, when I was a kid and I was like, Oh, time to watch the combine. It's 9am on Saturday. Like let's uh, let's, and the first thing we see is the 40 yard dash. So I think we, we do put a lot of stock uh, into that on the outside, but um, in reality, the, the stuff that matters most to teams, certainly I mean, everything matters. It's all a part of it. So it's not that the, the athletic testing doesn't matter. And for some teams, it matters more than most but or more than others. But uh, the, the big part for this by far is absolutely the interviews uh, and the medical.
1: Fran, you are the man. Always appreciate the time. Great to talk with you. Great to have you back on the College Draft Podcast. Thank you so much.
0: No, you got it, Ross. Happy to talk to you.
1: Excellent stuff, Fran. Absolutely terrific to have you back on. And one of the things that's cool is you can actually bet on the draft and where certain players will go at betonline.ag using the promo code podcast1. You get a 50% 5-0 welcome bonus, which is awesome. Betonline.ag. Just use the promo code podcast One. And use some of Fran's insight, perhaps, to maybe go ahead and place a wager or two on the NFL draft. Why not? Make it more interesting. We make everything more interesting these days, including today's Ross Tucker football podcast. Highly encourage you to listen to that one. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We're all tapped out.